It is a huge week of comics releases, and for such a week, you need the best and brightest. The warriors of virtue. And that, to tell you what we think of this week's books. And so for that reason, Kale and I are here to talk to you about five. Count them? Five of this week's wow. biggest releases, and boy, what a week it is. Because we have today Transformers number one. Everybody's uh, been waiting for this one, and we're finally here with it. We finally Hotly got anticipated. It. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Ooh, absolutely got that one. Yeah, yeah. that's the one I would have gone for. We have uh, Gods number one. I would say still hotly anticipated. Yeah. Yeah, why not? Uh, we have Immortal X-Men number 13. It's got uh, Big A on the cover, but uh, not what, everything is what it seems. That is one Big A, all right. <laughs> we have Batman 138. This is what, part four of the Gotham War? Yeah, part four. That sounds right, yeah. Yep, so we're knee-deep in that. And then the listener picked this week. You guys done good. You guys yep. voted for Birds of Prey number two. And uh, that's something that we're going to be talking about a little bit later on. But, you know, spoilers, you guys done good. Absolutely. Welcome to the show. Let's waste no more time. And let's talk about Transformers number one. This is... From Image, Skybound, an image imprint, if you will. Uh, it's by Daniel Warren Johnson and Mike Spicer on colors. Russ Wooten on the letters. That's the creative team. Warren the dream Johnson. Team. Yeah. He said, hey, guys, listen, I got the writing. I got the art. I need some A-tier colors and I need some A-tier letters. Image went out and found two tremendously talented people to join DWJ, and the result is this incredibly interesting, I thought, absolutely awesome issue one of Transformers. Uh, yeah, I thought it was a Transformers issue. I thought it was cool. You know, when you get robots fighting and doing all that stuff, it's rad. For me, it's when they start talking that I just, boy, I just lose interest. Hmm. Man, um, I, I don't know. I, I was, I was really intrigued. So, basically, it's a really basic premise. Um, it's you know you got two, two kids, you know, from the wrong side of the tracks or whatever. Uh, one of them has a family situation that is a little bit shaky. Someone in his life died. I'm assuming it's probably like his uncle or something. He was an older brother. Older brother. Um, and, uh, you know, they're, they're very distressed by that. And they, you know, they, they encounter these robots in disguise. Well, they're not very disguised at the time. Um, and chaos ensues. You know, you said it's a you know it's an issue number one of a Transformers comic, and I agree with that in the sense that it doesn't do anything 
revolutionary. But there's probably nothing that could have convinced me to buy a Transformers comic before t- before yesterday. Probably yeah. nothing. Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't go out of my way for a Transformers comic. I uh I st- I started some of the older stuff uh when I had Comicsology Unlimited. Uh but yeah, I wouldn't wouldn't have gone out of my way to buy it. Mhm. Yeah, like it's just it's never been my thing. I like Transformers as a kid enough. Like I, I watched Beast Wars. That's really all I did. Beast Wars rules. Yeah, like. <laughs> yeah. Um, but this feels like a way in. It's a creator that I love. Yeah, who's doing his own thing, in the sense that if you've read anything from Daniel Warren Johnson before, and certainly over the last like three years. There are certain elements that make a Daniel Warren Johnson comic. He has his 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 voice, his identity. Mm-hmm. And that does, that's different than other people's voice. Like, you know, we talk about the Bendis voice. What we mean by that is primarily every every character sounds the same. With Daniel Warren Johnson, his characters are different and varied, but there's an imprint. There's a there's a uniqueness that he brings to the fold that's evident in everything that he does, and it's all over this book. Yeah, I agree with you. And I think I think you especially see it, you know, uh, in the first few pages, you know, when Optimus mourns over his friends. Yeah. But then immediately turns his attention to the other creatures who need defense. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very Optimus Prime, but at the same time, uh, Daniel Warren Johnson has this way of... Uh, using emotion in the moment and then turning it in, into action. Yeah. That works so well that it feels like not a lot of other people do in, in the same way anyway. Totally. And, and, and I think there's a risk with a comic like a Transformers or even a G.I. Joe, any of those, uh, those like IP comics, you run the risk of them feeling very generic. Most of the time, yeah. it's stories that are supposed to fit in the margins of some other story uh, or between seasons or something like that. And it's like, who cares? By creators that, you know, just aren't bringing enough flavor. And I think Daniel Warren Johnson's biggest success with this is that he captures the flavor of Transformers and the reasons why you probably like it. Yeah. Um but he also brings his own flavor. And that can be very difficult to do. Like, look, it's not a spoiler to say that Optimus Prime, Optimus Prime is dropping wrestling moves. He's putting clotheslines on fools. You know what I'm saying? Right. So, like, he's doing the things that he does. The same stuff you found in Beta Ray Bill. The same yep. stuff that you found in Dual Powerbomb. They're here, too. Yep. I love it. I, I love it. It's so much fun. Um, and then the character voices all feel right if you know them. Like, for example, Starscream is my favorite uh, Transformer. And I just love how much of a, of, a, of a sniveling weasel he is. You know, he wants to be in charge so bad, but he doesn't want to do what he has to do. Um, mm-hmm. He's always looking to take the easy way out. And from the literal second that he appears, that's all there. 
Daniel Warren Johnson nails these characters right away. Um, and that just takes a lot of skill, a lot of dedication. And when it comes to IP comics, a lot of love and understanding of them. Absolutely. I think my problem here, though, and this is no fault to, of Daniel Warren Johnson, I think it's just, you know, when you get the, you start with the names, you've got Jet Wave and Starscream and uh, uh, Sound Guy. And, you know, one is red and white and the other one's white and red. I I get lost. And they all sort of have that blank robot face, you know, that doesn't have like the, the cool cover that Optimus has. That that became my problem really quick. I think I was I'd... able to. Yeah, go ahead. I was able to nail down Starscream, but the other guy was like, come on. Yeah, I think that that's a problem that uh, will be solved over time with the shows. There's a lot more, um, I guess, specific details that you pick up on. You know, it's not panels, so they're not always small little pictures. They're always blown up on the screen. They have voices as well, which is a huge thing. You know, Mm -hmm. we're reading a comic, so there are no voices. I think those are things that will change with time. But when you're talking about characters like Optimus, who everybody knows, Starscream, who, you know, again, Daniel Warren Johnson does a a great job of making Starscream look a little bit different because his face, he's very emotive in his face. Um, You can tell, like, he's he's got that cocky look. He's got that that smile to him. Um, Bumblebee is yellow, so he stands out. Other characters, I think, will will come to understand who they are in time. Um, like that's the only that's the only distinctive thing about Bumblebee. He's yellow. <laughs> well, he also is like he gets wrecked. Like he's not really an active part of the issue. So yeah, um, he'll get his time. That feels like they're holding back, you know, Megatron, and they're holding back Bumblebee. I don't know about the Bumblebee, my guy. What do you mean? <laughs> I. I hit that dude, shot that dude in the face. I think yeah. he's out, man. Nah. Nah, nah, nah. <laughs> I don't know. Nah. They'll, they're going to bring everybody back because we don't have... This is such a limited roster of characters, and, you know, it's so clear from the beginning that, like, you know, they're setting up the Megatron Starscream fight for power, you know, that will eventually happen. Like, Starscream is getting his moment now as, like, a lieutenant, but the big boss is still coming. Yeah, absolutely. There's no doubt in my mind that Megatron's coming. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I, I, I mean, and then, you know, when you get into the colors, like, it's just, it all looks so right. And again, yeah. Daniel Warren Johnson and Mike Spicer teaming up, not new to us. So when you see their work together, it's it feels, it feels like home, but this is also a Transformers comic. So it feels like home for their collaboration, but it also feels like home if you like Transformers. It's just like everything here is so, um, it's just so well designed and so well done. And, you know, you have your hero shots like this one with, yeah. Uh, yeah. with Optimus saving the kids and like, it's just everything that you think you want out of a, out of a, a Transformers book. And then some wrestling sprinkled in. Yeah, man, this ruled. 
You say it ruled, but I get the feeling that there's some trepidation on your part. I just, it's not, I think it's just the transformer-ness of it all. Hmm. It's not, you know, it's not that I think it is bad. It's just, it wasn't like my, it, it was less, it wasn't as good as I wanted it to be. As I thought it would be, I really expected it to blow me out of the water. Hmm. But I, like I said, I did kind of find myself getting lost and trying to figure out, uh, you know, who was who and what the names were. And uh, I was also a little sick today, so that could be a little bit, you know, a, a part of it. It's also worth pointing out that I read this a couple of weeks ago, and then I read it again today. So, like, I've I've had some time to sit with this. Oh, yeah. And- you know, I knew who the characters were when they first came up because I already read it, you know, before. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, maybe uh, maybe as we go forward, you'll fall more in love with it. But, but, but again, like C.W. Gordon says, I'm not a Transformers fan at all. I saw how this was good, but def not for me. And maybe that's a part of it, too. I I like the idea of the Transformers. Yeah. You know, and like we said at the at the top, you know, Beast Wars, Beast Wars kid all the way around. So for me, that's the... That's the Transformers, and that's, to be honest, a little bit more interesting to me. Beast Wars. Yeah. Okay. Turn them into animals, man. That's cool. That is a, that is a statement that can be taken a lot of different ways. Thank God Tyler's not here. You're right, um, but I am, and I had to, you know, allude to it a little bit. <laughs> um, oh. I definitely say this is a pull. I think if you easy. Yeah, if you enjoy, like, Transformers, if you enjoy, frankly, in my opinion, just good comics or strictly Daniel Warren Johnson comics, I think this is a great book. Um, I'm tempted to say pick of the week, but there was another book that I really also liked. I I think you're going to be surprised at my pick of the week. Dude. I th- this week. If I am surprised by it, I'll be very surprised because <laughs> I cannot imagine what else it would be. Uh, well, no, I can imagine it would be Birds of Prey. If it's not Birds of Prey, I'll be surprised. So, I got news for you, buddy. You won't be surprised. Well, we've got a show today, then. Uh, quickly, uh, Top Lane Amon Perez in the chat uh, asked if this is cemented in some kind of continuity, or uh, can you pick it up and get it right away? I think you could just jump in. There was nothing that felt... Uh, like you needed some ad- some additional knowledge, some outside of this comic knowledge. Not at all. If you've literally never even seen the Michael Bay movies, you'll be yeah. fine. You don't need to know anything. You, they're robots that transform into vehicles. That's your only knowledge you need to have. Um, but yeah, I, I, I do think this is a cool comic and worth worth your time. You know what else I think is worth your time? Our Patreon page, the Comics Pals patreon page uh we appreciate everybody who has joined us there we have a lot of exclusive stuff over there um you get a newsletter every single week i put one out this week talking about my excitement for new york comic con coming up and you know reflecting on some memories of the event uh in years past and things like that i also made the announcement that i'm gonna be uh i'm gonna be posting some uh some blog type stuff throughout the event so uh tune in for that We've also got uh, an exclusive show over there called Palling Around, which is a lot of fun that we put out once a month. Um, 
and uh, you get a nickname and a shout out on the main show. So, you know, a lot of you guys have have signed up specifically to get added to the Palsverse, which of course we appreciate. And we're just adding more and more members to our very own universe. Everybody's starting their universe. You've got the the uni- the Universal Monsters universe, the DCFU, and all that other good stuff. Join the Palsverse. It's a fun place to be. It's uh, a fun place to be. Yeah, exactly. If you want to watch this show live next week, here's a major alert. We should we should we should uh, alert people's phones. You know how the other mm-hmm. day there were phone alerts going out. We should we should set up our own alerts. Uh, next week we are doing pals polls on Wednesday at six p.m. Eastern. Not Thursday. Thursday is our traditional slot. We're doing th- we're doing Wednesday because Thursday we will be at New York Comic Con. So next week it'll be Wednesday if you want to catch pals polls live. On YouTube.com slash The Comics Pals. And you do. And you absolutely do, of course, because it's a fun show. Um, Saturdays at 10.15 a.m. Eastern for the main show. This episode, this upcoming week, will be at that normal time. But for New York Comic Con week, we will be doing the main show at a different time. We're not quite sure exactly on all the details of that yet. We will let you guys know when we do. Um, But we will be doing the main show next week not at the normal time um live book club is coming october 30th just in time for halloween we will be dropping a live book club we want you all to come hang out with us as we discuss the long halloween so we'll be having a live conversation about the long halloween that's our first time really talking about that book on any of our shows yeah i think we've danced around it for a long time yeah yeah, we really have not gone there. Uh, yes, yeah, C.W. Gordon, it sure was. It sure was uh, on Wednesdays at another time. But uh, yeah, let's let's keep it going. We've got we've got super chats open. If you guys want to support us like that, they are open. Hit the like button. Let us know. Let the world know that you enjoy this show. There won't be a draft, but it shows us that you appreciate us. And uh, you know who doesn't appreciate the comics, pals. I'm going to tell you guys something right now that I don't appreciate. And hopefully you guys will allow me to do this really quick. So I went to pick up my comics as I do every single week at Midtown. And when I was rung up, my total was 34 and change. Now that is very low for me. That's like half of what I'm used to. And I said, wow. That's really good. That's a great price. Wow, I can't believe that. What happened? And then I looked through the books that I had gotten this week, and I realized that it could have been cheaper. Something was booing that price tag. Booing. And I and I realized it was God's number one. It was the weight of the gods. With a price tag. A hefty price tag of nine ninety nine. Nine ninety nine, my friends. Up until not that long ago, you could get Netflix for mm-hmm. nine ninety nine. You, there are several. You could get Disney Plus for nine ninety nine. You want to watch Loki, Ahsoka, fucking 
WandaVision, whatever. You could do that on Disney Plus for $9.99. For the past seven years, I've been buying Spotify every month with Hulu for $9.99. And yet. And yet. God's number one from Marvel. Marvel Comics wants to convince me that God's number one by Jonathan Hickman, who we all love, Valerio Schiti, who we also all love, Marta Gracia, who to me is a legend already, and Travis Lanham on Letters, who we all love. Marvel wants to convince me that this comic book is worth $9.99. I got news for you, Marvel Comics. I don't care what name you put on this book. I don't care what creator. I don't care who you get. You could get Alan Moore. You cannot convince me that this comic book is worth $9.99. I'm sorry. Can't do it. You'd say you got Alan Moore on it. I'd pay money for that. All right. I, I probably would too, but you know, I'm <laughs> trying to. Well, I mean, um, you did anyway. <laughs> I literally did, yeah. But is it worth it? Is it worth and it? C.W. Gordon says Twilight of the Gods. <laughs> <laughs> Twilight of the Comics, pals. The way this is going. Y'all right. got to join the Patreon so we can keep doing this. <laughs> Seriously. Um, This is a long, hefty comic that tries, I think, by uh, the amount of pages it is, to justify its price tag. And you know what? Right out of the gate, I want to say this. This is one of the best-looking comics of the year, I think. Uh, this, you know, Valerio Schiti and Marta Gracia have, I'm pretty confident when I say they've worked together several times on X books with Hickman. Um, and it looks every bit like a book that has people working on it who are familiar with each other. I think that uh, Gracia brings out the best in Schiti. Um, and I also think Valerio was just ready for his time to step up. Um, to the major leagues like he has been working on big books for some time but this is absolutely marvel giving him the reins in a lot of ways and i think it shows mm. yeah i think i i have several thoughts about this issue but i i mostly agree i think there's a lot cooking in here that will uh, come to fruition, um, but I think I think it's it's a good table setting. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, look from a content standpoint, um, it just it, it's there's nothing there's nothing inherently wrong with this book, like. Like I said, I think the art's really cool. I like some of the stuff that happens. This this page here with Doctor Strange sort of talking yeah, about this cool. other like this other thing that happened. It's like a whole long story. That looked fantastic. Um there's a lot of cool visual stuff here. But it's a lot to take in. It's a lot of characters that we don't necessarily care about. I think Hickman does a good job of trying to make us care, but he uses a lot of words to get there. Um, this feels very bogged down. I can uh, I can tell you one thing that's wrong with it. Yeah, that was crazy. 
that was crazy. And mind you, that page that Kale just held up, which is a page that showcases Three, the, four, five, the, the, the main character, Win and his, you know, his partner, like they're almost sidekick. Yeah, sidekick. Um, the dude, the dude is is Hickman is making a stylistic choice right there. It's deliberate. Um, but it's a lot, and it's not necessarily funny. Um, I don't. I didn't get anything out of it. It was unnecessary. But yeah. There's nothing here that's so great and so, you know, remarkable that I would that I would say to anybody, yeah, you you got to spend $10 on this comic. There's good stuff. I think there's some great stuff, but this doesn't feel like the Hickman magic. This doesn't feel like the next big thing, if you will, TM. The way that House and Powers did. Yep. It just doesn't. It just doesn't. It doesn't feel revolutionary. Why is this so special? Like, it's cool. It's good, I guess. But why is it so special? The only thing I can come up with for the $10 price tag is, you know, Sobolski saying, well, we, we put, you know, it's an extra size issue or whatever, you know, a few weeks ago. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. like... Well, okay. It just it just doesn't it, like I'm sure this will be a, a good series, however long it's gonna be or whatever. But you know, when you're asking people to pay ten dollars for a comic, there better be something like incredible in there, and there's not. There's not. And and, and that's this sort of the tragedy of this is like that $10 price tag is what this book is going to be held against. That's yes. the wall it has to climb and has since day one. Yeah. If this was half as long and cost, you know, the standard price of a comic, you know, you want to say four ninety nine, whatever. If this is going to cost four ninety nine, sure. And that's half the length. All right. I, to, to be honest, the way it's constructed, I don't know if it works at half the length, I don't know how you would take this apart. Oh, I could. <laughs> okay. Um, but I just I think a ten dollar comic is a hard sell. We yeah. know how we know how audiences reacted to Ultimate Invasion number one. Um, I don't know that this is so much better than that as a book. Uh, I think it's better. I think it's better. Is ten dollars better? No. Like I like I like Win enough. I guess Win is this new character. He's the he's essentially the 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 powers that be incarnate or their avatar or whatever. Um. Yeah, he's the avatar of the powers that be. Like that's cool. I guess. Um. You know, you have Dimitri who is you know, in service to the natural order of things. And so everyone is representing someone else. Um, and we're meeting a lot of new people. And I can tell that Jonathan Hickman put a lot of thought into how to present these characters in ways that are going to be interesting, how to inject their personalities into the bigger picture. I appreciate that. Um, I actually like the bigger picture. I thought I thought the, the thing that Wynn 
and ever and the you know all the like geniuses and magic users of Earth had to do what they had to fight against. I was pretty into that. I thought that was yeah. cool. Yeah. And I sort of liked Wynn's journey to, you know, stopping this this uh, potentially Earth-ending cataclysm. I thought that that was compelling. It felt he felt like Constantine to me in a lot of ways. Um, which rubbed me the wrong way since I don't like Constantine. He felt like better Constantine, I think. Uh, a cooler Constantine. Uh, okay. Do you remember, maybe you remember the Twilight of the Superheroes breakdown, yeah. like yep. Constantine's whole plan, the way he did all that. He yep. was doing things that people didn't know about and he was hiding mm -hmm. secrets and he was, Wynn does the exact same thing. Absolutely. Um, it's almost eerie because I had that thought while I was reading this. I was like, wow, this is the same thing that Constantine does in a book that was never technically released. So it makes me kind of wonder about that. But um, I liked all that fine. You know, I thought that I thought that stuff was cool. The story's it, it, good enough. Yeah. Yeah. There's uh, let's see on the on the Marvel app. It looks like it's 63 pages. Mm. that first half of the story uh detailing win and what's her name his his wife's divorce or whatever yeah yeah it, that just doesn't need to be here it just doesn't we just met this guy i just like i thought i thought this was cool but man that did nothing that did nothing it, I guess it helped add it helped it helped me understand why he's so like nonchalant and uncaring about what's going on in a lot of ways because he he lost his he lost his reason to care, which is his his wife. Um so I get that. But if he's supposed to be this avatar of this you know, the powers that be and all that, like the least interesting thing about him is that he's in love. And I think in Hickman's mind, that's the most interesting thing about him. You know what I'm saying? That's, like that's the human part of him. Right. Yeah. I didn't care that much. Yeah. And uh, just the way that they were throwing around powers that be a natural order of things. It's just like, Come on, there was there wasn't a better name we could come up with this. Like, I well, know it's a Hickmanism, but like, there's gotta be you gotta let me hang on to something here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Top Lane says, "Doesn't this feel kind of like the Eternals?" Yes, absolutely. Yeah, this is that, stuff that I feel like you would see in an Eternals book. Yeah, yeah, sort of a new gods thing that sort of happens above everything else. In a in a realm that you know, in theory, we never see. You know, yeah, yeah. I did like that penny, um, that penny uh, 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 carryover from Secret Wars, and uh, when he exchanges the penny with um, with the collector, collector. Yeah. yeah, that was that was a cool sequence. Like all that stuff, I thought worked fine. I just maybe I'm being too hard on the book because I know how much it cost me. But it's like, it's tough. It's 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 tough. And I didn't, like, I stand by this. 
this did not feel magical to me the way that I sort of maybe um, unfairly expect Hickman number ones to feel magical. So. It, uh, how did you feel about the fact that it ends, that this is a full story? That this, um, I thought that, so I thought that that was a weird choice, but at the same time, if I spent $10 on a comic and the, the, the like primary story of that individual book does not resolve and I have to spend X amount more dollars, then I'm angry. So I think it had to resolve. It feels resolved in the arc of this one single issue, but there's, of course, a lot left on the table. Yeah. Yeah, I think I'm with that. Um I'm glad yeah, I'm glad it ended where it did and it felt, you know, it felt like an episode, like a full episode. Um but to be honest, I don't feel the need to keep going either. I think that's reasonable. I think that's very reasonable. Um I say so I say pass on this strictly because of the price if you have (laughs) expendable income and you can do it you can burn 10 bucks on a on a comic book that you might not necessarily love sure go for it it's good it's a good book you know very talented people worked on it um but i don't think it's worth ten dollars especially in this economy with everything that's going on like you have to live in the real world and i'm not i'm giving i'm gonna say real world advice this is what i really believe don't buy this if ten dollars sounds like a lot to you it is nothing that's gonna happen in this book is gonna make you feel better about your ten dollars being spent be honest don't buy this as protest to ten dollar books that's fair like i mean i (laughs) i get the codes from Sean because you know I'm poor and my money choices have been bad um, but I would not buy this because it's a $10 book that's nuts and they need to, these companies need to be put to task for this I'm going to say something controversial right now but I, I, I believe this um, the, the further you know, the more Marvel and DC, and, and frankly, it's not just them, it's everybody, because yep. the price of individual comics is raising across the board. Um, what they're encouraging is for people to steal, steal comics, to, to read them digitally, illegally, because they're pricing a lot of people out. Look, there are a lot, this is the biggest book, you know, Transformers is the biggest book this week, but Gods is the big, Gods is the talk of Marvel right now. And a lot of people want to be in on that. It makes sense. You know, you want to be a part of the conversation. So if you can't afford to buy it, you're going to steal it. You know, and there are people who would say, oh, well, that's unethical. There are a lot of people who would argue charging $10 for a comic book is unethical. So take your pick. I'm not here to judge anybody. I'm here to judge the comic. And I say pass for the price point. Pull for the creative the creative work involved it's not their fault that this book is priced as it is yeah and and that's the dilemma you know we've talked about this how many thousands of times but 
you know, how do you how do you protest the price of something when supposedly that, you know, goes to the the creative team, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, let's hit a quick question from Dan Trudeau, who says, is Hickman's Marvel work starting to feel as if it's being written by another writer trying to write like Hickman? Jeez. I think I think Ultimate Invasion put a bad taste in everybody's mouth. Yeah. Unless unless you really loved it. Um and uh, apparently there are people that do. We've got a couple of them that I think are here. I think Top Lane's one of them. Um but um I don't wholly put that on him because it does seem like there's some background machinations happening. It does feel a little, especially with like the Win character. It does feel like his main characters have gotten a little too big for their britches. Hmm. Um, but uh, I'm not all the way out on Hickman yet. I can't imagine that Hickman could ever uh, do something to become, like, not one of my favorite writers of all time. Um, but, look, I mean, not you're not, you're not always going to bat 100. Um, I think, yes, I agree that this is not, this doesn't feel like the Hickman that I love so much. Um, but I also think it's a huge, massive endeavor. Um, you know, there's the benefit when you're writing something like X-Men and you have to revolutionize it of the fact that people know who the X-Men are. So you can put a lot on the fact that people have a familiarity. Whereas with this, that's just not the case. Um, and with the ultimate invasion, you know, I honestly think there's a lot behind that that we simply do not know about. Yep. Um, ultimate Spider-Man. I think is where I'm really judging because that's a lot more straightforward and obviously Hickman can do anything in my opinion, but I think if he has the chance to take a character like Spider-Man that's so straightforward and focus on like, how can I meaningfully add to this character? I think that that's, I think that can be really special. And it doesn't have to go crazy. Spider-Man doesn't have to go to space. He doesn't have to have a clone. He doesn't have to have some crazy story. It can be nuts and bolts. I think Hickman do that as good as anybody. That's what his whole Fantastic Four was. Right. You know, it was nuts and bolts. Exactly. So I'm not out on Hickman by any stretch. But I understand what you meant, Dan. I do. Um... Let's talk about Immortal X-Men number number 16. This is a book that it seemed like we were out on last week. So I'm excited to hear your thoughts, Kale, on this week's issue. Or not last week, last month, excuse me. Uh, Kieran Gillen, the writer, of course. Lucas Warnick on art with David Curiel doing the colors. And Clayton Cowles lending his lettering hand as ever. Um, this issue, I thought, Kale, was a lot better i enjoyed it a lot more than the previous one i think 
that's probably due to the fact that I feel like things actually happened here. Um, we're still, we still don't have all the answers, but we've got some. And I like, I, I, I think I like where everybody is left off in this issue. I like the progression. Um, you, uh, you might have to fill me in a little. Okay. Because I don't feel like I got much of anything. All right. So, again, we have we have said several times that um, this book has been moving at a snail's pace. Yeah. I don't care about Celine and Sebastian Shaw's machinations all that much. You know, you can put that on. You can put that on the page for a few. You can put that in an issue for a few pages once in a blue, but they got to mix it up with people I actually care about. And in this issue, that does happen as they decide that they're going to take out Professor Xavier um, because they think he's been killing people on the island. And uh, I really appreciated that interaction. I like how Professor X is able to use Shaw against himself. Shaw's, yeah. you know, his, 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 his greedy nature against himself. I really liked that. Um, and Celine getting a little bit of her cup comeuppance, even though we know it doesn't matter. Um, I think Kieran Gillen has done a lot of good work by Sebastian Shaw. I really do. Jerry Duggan deserves a lot of credit because I think he did a lot of good work with him in in, um, in Marauders. But uh, Kieran Gillen has accelerated that character, and I never thought I'd like a greedy bastard as much as I like Shaw. Well, I refuse to give Jerry Duggan credit for anything. All right. Uh, so, um, who was Xavier supposed to have killed? Oh, uh, the the people on the island. I think the um, the uh, what am I thinking of? The the people that work for Orcus. Oh, okay, okay. Um, All right. What was the question? Can. Oh, uh, Top Lane asks... Sorry, I'm having trouble... Can you explain what happened between Dawn of X and this book? Okay, so I I think I understand... I think... Wait, wait, Dawn of X? Because that's like... That's like... Isn't that when this whole thing started? That's like the beginning. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, that's that's post-Hawksbox. I think it's a joke. Why don't you just explain the whole Krakoan era in detail, Sean? All right, so it starts on a bench between Moira and Professor Xavier. And much like a box of chocolates, you never know what you're going to (laughs) get. That's how I feel when I pick up an issue of X-Men anymore. Um, There is the tease of Apocalypse. Let's get to that. Because I think yeah. that's probably the most confusing thing that happened in this issue. Yeah. And it ties into what has been confusing us so much about this arc thus far. Uh-huh. This is not Apocalypse at all. Right. And that's acknowledged right away by yeah. the person who is speaking that appears to be Apocalypse. Um, they, they, they use his A, his, his yeah. Krakoan mutant name. Yes. Yeah, it's so what is what I got out of this issue, what I am interpreting is that Jean Grey, because of everything that's going on with her, because remember, she got 
she got stabbed or whatever by that weird uh, other world blade that messes with your whole identity. Um, we saw that happen to Swords. Was his name Swordsman or um, um, I'm blanking on his name. It's not Swordsman. It's gar- Gargoyle, not Gargoyle. Anyway, um, it happened to him, and we saw that play out in Way of X. But um, and it happened to Rockslide as well. Remember, Rockslide died in Otherworld, and he came back weird. Wrong slide. Um, yeah, Jean, yeah. Jean yeah. Grey is going through that right now. Oh, and she. Or they are all trapped in the white hot room at the moment. What's that? So it's it's a it's like a a world between it's a realm between realms, like okay. an afterlife type of thing. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. you can see Gorgon. Thank you, C W Gordon. Thank you so much, Gordon. Is what I was speaking about earlier. Um, you can sort of see they're seeing their worst enemies right now or projections of times where they were extremely fearful of someone so they're seeing wolverine right now because uh i think it's x23 that she's been attacked by him before so that's why he's there um uh what's his name um there's so many characters in this freaking book um bishop not bishop the uh oh I forget his name literally every single time we review this comic book. Gold Balls? No. Oh, uh, Eternity. No, Exodus. Exodus. Thank you so much. Uh, Exodus sees Apocalypse because if Exodus is God or if Exodus is like Jesus-like, which is how he's been portrayed throughout yeah. this whole yeah, time, yeah, 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 yeah. Satan is Apocalypse in his mind. So that that's, yeah. what, that's what's yeah. going on okay. here. Okay. And now that's starting to add up to me, and I like it. I like bringing in the white hot room. That's not something we see. So this is all in because of Jean. That's what I'm thinking. Because, because she was stabbed with the blade. Yes, because the phoenix is off. Like any, the only times I've ever seen the white hot room used or acknowledged that I can recall involve phoenix. Swear to God, if the Phoenix is coming back, I'm dropping this. <laughs> She's not gone. The Phoenix is not gone. The Phoenix is. Um, well, I don't know if this is still the case, but it was Echo. Echo, the character, um, had the Phoenix Force inside her. So, but I think that's still how it is. Um, but yeah, that's what's going on in this book right now. I'm into it. I enjoy things like this. Um, we got to get somewhere for sure, but I like where Professor X leaves off. I thought that was a very interesting uh, tease at the end, where you know I don't even want to I don't even want to say, but like it looks like it's going to be interesting, and maybe he can start to get back to himself. And I'm happy to see Gene in Immortal X Men. Yeah, I guess. Well, I mean, uh, the a, Xavier. Yeah, I don't. I don't care about Gene. The Xavier stuff was cool. Um, I I wonder if I've been right all along and didn't in the wrong direction. About what? I've always said that Xavier is the maker because he won't take off the helmet. 
I, I mean, but he's got the helmet off right now. Right, 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 right. But what I'm saying is, maybe I've maybe I'm right based on this ending, just in the other direction, not with the maker. With who? Sinister? Oh, oh. <laughs> Sin- okay, yeah. Uh, well, we know that sort of because oh, okay. he, Great. he's imprinted on them. That's what Sins of Sinister was about. And so the question is, Kayla's right. <laughs> the question is. Okay, so the reason why the council uh, eliminated Professor Xavier and Hope and Emma and all of them is because they're worried that they still have the imprint of Sinister inside of them. And Mother Righteous is using that against them because she is probably the Sinister who became became a... uh, I'm forgetting the word. Sorry, I apologize. She, she, She became... The big sinister at the end of Sins of Sinister. One of them did. We don't know which. I think it's Mother Righteous. Okay. Dominion. Okay. C.W. Gordon, you should be on the podcast. You you, you could finish my sentences. Um, Fucking keeping track of this better than we are. But yeah, that's my theory. I think Mother Righteous became a Dominion. She knows it. She's trying to get circumstances to lead to that point, And she's manipulating things. Um, and uh, she has now become a foil for destiny as a result because she knows the future and destiny doesn't okay the art's great yes i agree (laughs) with that lucas wernick is doing great stuff um this book has pretty much always looked good um i i enjoyed this comic i did i liked it a lot it's a pick of the week just kidding yeah please please By the way, I want to say, uh, th- th- I-, I pull this. I do pull this. I liked it a lot. It's good stuff. Do you pull it? No. Pass? This was better better than whatever we read last. Mm-hmm. I still don't know what's going on. Um, All right. I think I'm, I think I'm out. Mm. Maybe we should rotate Immortal out. We haven't missed one issue. We have, we've reviewed every issue. But I, I still like it. I don't know. I just, I, I feel like Immortal is where the exciting stuff should be happening, mm-hmm. but I don't know what's going on. So it's not exciting. It's just confusing. I and I'm not, I'm not interested in the stuff with the survivors or whatever, you know, in New York. In X-Men proper. In X-Men proper or uh, Miss Marvel. Um, or Iron Man, I guess. Like, right. <laughs> I just, you know, I don't know. Fair enough. Um, I want to say thank you to everybody who is watching right now. You guys are are killing it. I appreciate all the comments and conversation. Obviously, we can't respond to every single thing, but we appreciate you. Um, a lot of you are tuning in right now. You guys are the real MVPs. Hit that like button. Smash it. Smash it for us. Smash it. Yeah. Um, what did I want to say? I wanted to say hello to Eamon's World of Geek, who is joining us for the first time, I think. Thank you for joining us. Snake of Talons, welcome. It's good to see you. I'm glad that Ooh, uh, your yeah. name popped up right as I was saying hello to people. And I wanted to address Atomic Hound's comment. Sean is addicted to X-Men like I'm addicted to Harley. Fortunately, my habit is cheaper. Listen, uh, you're right. I am addicted to X-Men comics. I always will be. But... I can't imagine spending five dollars 
on Harley Quinn as it is. The state of that book, I just unless I mean unless you're really feeling it, um, he's he's not. He every <laughs> every time he gets it, he's upset about it. Oh, but that's like, you know how, go ahead. You know how I get mad about books. Yeah, that's what I imagine Hound goes through every time he picks up a Harley Quinn book. And I love it. I love it so much because you're like. I don't want to say like you're not a comic book fan. If I'm not gatekeeping, just just follow me. Um, I feel like every comic book fan has at least one book where yeah. they're just like, I buy this no matter what. I am upset about it. I'm not enjoying myself. Listen, I don't know that I don't have at least half of Jason Aaron Jason Aaron's Avengers run. Yeah, I didn't enjoy it at all. At all it was years long i bought it for years years and you're doing it again i'm doing it again at least i'm reviewing these i was dumping money into jason aaron's avengers i didn't even review them we weren't doing yeah, the show that's right <laughs> that was a mistake that was a huge mistake um let's talk about batman this is a book that I think a lot of people are hate reading right now. Batman, number 138. This is Gotham War Part 4. Uh, Chip Zdarsky, who, you know, was everybody's favorite new Batman writer a couple of months ago. And now, you know, you turn the clock and he's everybody's least favorite Batman writer. You know, that's um, just the way. Very fickle. Very fickle. But he's joined by George Jimenez, uh, who is a tremendously talented artist and really the star of the show on any book that he's on with Tamu Moray on colors and Clayton Cowles on the letters, as always. Um, Kale, did you read Catwoman? No. No? Okay. Uh, yeah, so I was very confused at the opening of this. All right. So... Just to, for the fill-in, because there's probably there are probably people who are listening, like you, who didn't happen to read Catwoman. I chose to read it, and um, essentially now Batman has lost the family home to Vandal Savage. Uh, Vandal Savage has purchased it right. because oh. he is like, um, well, yeah, <laughs> he's insanely rich. Uh, and he has a whole part to play in this Gotham War, as we learned in this issue. Um, the the war between uh, Batman and the Batfam has accelerated, and Jason Todd has been uh, gassed or injected with some type of poison that has altered his identity, altered his chemistry, to where now, if he uh, thinks about doing something that would be like uh, cross, that would be uh, illegal or, you know, against what Batman essentially wants him to do, the kind of person he wants him to be, um, he can't. Um, because he feels like Jason Todd is too dangerous to be allowed to be Jason Todd but he loves him too much to just lock him up in Arkham or something of that nature. Yeah. Uh, so Batman, you know, taking some pretty extreme measures on dealing with Jason. And I didn't like that. I, I, I actually really like this issue. But 
I say that while I at the same time have fundamental problems with it. But before I get into all of that, Kale, what what were your thoughts about this? Uh, pick of the week. Stop it! That is a surprise. I really enjoyed this. What? I uh, I agree with you uh, about Jason, and I feel like uh, this is crazy. Yeah, Bruce. Like this is nuts. Yeah. Um, dude won't kill the Joker, but he'll mind wipe his uh, <laughs> his you know his second son or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think it's interesting. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think I like you know as I read it, I was like, "What? What the hell? Does Chip get it at all?" But I think I I genuinely think what he's doing is he's building you know he's building the uh, the Zeranar identity yeah. and you know I I think he's um, uh, Zeranar is. I mean, you know, he's doing what every Batman writer has to do and separate, you know, um, separate Bruce from the family. And, you know, I, I have I have said on this podcast that that is for years that this is the thing that annoys me the most because every writer does it. Um, and that is not different here. Man, I had fun with this issue. I was riveted by the end of it. Wow. Yeah. I I mean I I really enjoyed it. I have similar I had similar uh feelings as you um about just like I'm I'm enjoying watching the family fall apart even though I don't I hate the fact that this is always the route. Yep. You know, um it, it's been the route so let's see. Uh, it's been the route since Grant, like at least as far back as that that I know of. Ruck and Brubaker did it. Okay. Uh, and uh, they did it. The old heads will have to correct me here, but I'm pretty sure that they did it in Nightfall too, specifically because um, Bruce was going further. You know, he was wearing himself down, and that's how Bane broke his back. Mm. Right. So I think it. I think it probably goes even, you know, that far back. Yeah, it's just a it's just a very like played out trope. But we're seeing it happen here in a way that is pretty uh, unconventional, I would say in the sense that it's actually putting these characters um at odds morally and emotionally, which feels more in line with what uh Sean Gordon Murphy was doing actually uh or has done in the Murphyverse of books with the White Knight, um, where Dick and Barbara are cops and whatnot. Mm, um, mm. This feels in line with that. What I have a problem with, with this book, is really that a lot of the characters' motivations don't feel true. They don't ring true to me, and I'm struggling... I'm struggling with some of the combat because I don't believe that... uh, Damien can be stopped by anyone in this comic other than Dick or Bruce. And yet, Tim is able to restrain him, and I don't buy that. Um, they shouldn't, they should not, it's not a fight. 
That shouldn't be a fight. Um, and yet it is. So I didn't care for that. And I also just am really, really having a difficult time with Dick being on on Catwoman's side. Bringing up, I don't remember if it was this issue or the or the Catwoman issue, but bringing up the fact that like Catwoman, yeah, I think it was in the last one, Catwoman and Batman went on a date. They used to go out on dates together to the opera or to a, to a play or whatever it was. And then hmm. Dick used to go with them. Dick used to go with them. What? And he was a little kid? Yeah. Eh? That doesn't strike me right. Huh. There are things that feel off about this. To me. Uh, yeah, from, I, I don't so much care about um, the background issue of this, which, you know, uh, the the uh, criminals getting their comeuppance or, or not getting their comeuppance or whatever. Yeah. But what I think I like, especially about this issue, is it feels like Dick and Tim have to play like catcher's mitts every time Batman, you know, either bails on someone, wipes their mind, or, you know, beats the shit out of them. <laughs> <laughs> Dick and Tim have to be the ones that are like, it's cool. He does this every five minutes. We know he'll come out of it. Just give him a second. Yeah. Um. That that works for me. Um. I think. I, I and I think that's sort of where I'm coming at it with, uh, the the broader aspect of the story, the criminal part. Yeah. Is that you know there would be there should be room for discussion and i think that's nightwing strong suit you know i think i think other you know i think you know like bruce and damien will always draw the hard line because that's who they are but nightwing isn't like that because bruce showed him grace and offered him salvation Um, so I, I, I'm not saying that I think he would agree with Catwoman, but I think he would tolerate the conversation a lot more than, uh, the others. Well, there is also the, there's also the Vandal Savage of it all. And Vandal Savage's, uh, time in this book is really, really grinding my gears. Because Vandal Savage is essentially revealed as the actual villain in this in this issue. He's the real threat. And hmm. now the path is clear. Everybody involved is going to have to stop Vandal Savage and then end up, you know, going their separate ways. And now there's a blow to the Bat family that has been dealt, and Batman will go further down his road of unhinged crime fighting. But that, to me, is cheap. That is the akin, and I'm not comparing events, I'm just comparing, like, this concept. This would be like if at the end of Civil War, or if, not the end, but if midway through Civil War, it was revealed, this was a major rumor back in the day, 
it was revealed that the woman that spits on Tony Stark because her son was killed in the events of uh, Sanford, Stanford, if that woman was actually a villain behind the scenes pulling yeah. the strings that orchestrated the whole thing to get the heroes to fight each other and now they come together. This yeah. feels like that. If they have real beef, let them have real beef. Let the villain of the book be themselves. That them as antagonists to each other. Zorin R is sort of the real villain in a lot of ways. Let that play out. We don't need Vandal Savage here. And his name, his daughter's name is Scandal. Scandal? Oh. Savage? Top, top lane says, um, you know, uh, oh, no, sorry. Manny says uh, Caveman can't name his daughter. <laughs> when he, when Vandal was alive, there were only two names. Vandal and Scandal. Right. Like, I guess. But then, like, they just debuted in Batman and Robin, uh, or I don't know if it came out yet, but we're getting shush. Not hush. No. Shush. No. Dead serious. No. Come Absolutely. on. Absolutely. No. Absolutely. That's not real. That is That's 100% not real. real. Who's Shush. writing Batman and Robin? Joshua Williamson. No. Come on. Yes. Yes. No. Yes. Stop. Can't. It's true. And you know what? We're going to pay $10 for that, too, and you're going to thank Joshua Williamson. <laughs> Oh boy. Um, but you know what? Regardless of whatever like issues I had with this, this is a really good comic. And I, I I'm not understanding where all the hate is coming from. I think by and large this book has been awesome. Um and I'm loving where the Zoran R stuff is going. It's really interesting. Yeah. The art's great. The art is unreal. Jimenez Man. is a superstar. Yeah. I like I I want to say I want Jorge Jimenez to move up, but like where else do you go? You know, like um yeah, just absolutely killing. Absolutely killing. Yeah, this is this is good stuff. This was your pick of the week, huh? I re this this was the book that made me feel the most. Uh, like I was excited when I finished it. I agree with that. And I, I, I wish the rest wasn't happening in Catwoman, even though I'm glad it is because that would mean Teeny Howard was doing some form of it over here. Because like that's just that's it is at arm's length for me. Yeah. And it's you know it's fine. Okay, that can happen over there. That's fine. Right. Uh, but Chip and Jorge over here is. Just it's doing so much for me. Can I just say I love what is happening in the chat right now? All these, all these <laughs> right uh, names that rhyme with savage. Uh, let's point out some good ones. Uh, Emen's World of Geek says the wax figures are Candle Savage. His his German son is Handel Savage. <laughs> from Dan. <laughs> His, his long-lost son, Randall Savage, better known as the Macho Man. <laughs> oh, yeah. Dig it. You know what I... Long... Go ahead. Oh, sorry. Uh, yeah, I actually want to get this uh, transition off. You know what I'm digging, what I dug this week? Oh. 
Birds of Prey number two. This was awesome. Spoiler alert. Kelly Thompson with art by Leonardo Romero who brought it. Leonardo Romero put his whole ass into this comic book. It's whole romero Yes. All in. Uh, with colors by Jordi Belair. Letters by Clayton Cowles. That's three in a row, guys. Three books in a row in which Clayton Cowles was the letterer. Somebody check this man to make sure that he is not in a basement chained up somewhere. In a glass of water or something. Yeah. Um, you read this digitally. Were the colors off for you? Because I found the colors to be really off. Really, really off. Uh, right around the uh, one, two, three, fourth page. They get a weird, darker saturation. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Absolutely. Huh. Weird. Um. I yeah. Don't know. I, I noticed. I noticed that, but it seemed that seemed to be the only. The only one. I. I mean, for me, I felt like the colors were off the whole time. It could just have been a stylistic choice that I didn't agree with, but I. I don't know. I thought. I thought a lot of the book was like colored strangely um i often blame it on dc's paper i feel like for the books that maybe they feel are lesser um the paper stock is not as good and i feel like that affects the colors i've complained about this many times i thought the colors were off but i'm gonna put that aside for the sake of this review this is a great book birds of prey is starting off really hot yeah um I do have like a, a minor complaint, uh, a minor plot complaint, but we can get to that. I, yeah, I really enjoyed this. The personalities are great. The mix of characters here um, are is fun. Um, and it's all, each one's little bits are really interesting. I am, listen, I'm having fun with Harley. Yeah, absolutely. She's the she's the the Deadpool, if you will, of this book. Uh, if we're equating this to Uncanny X Force by Rick Remender, um, and I, so. I I like her in doses. Yeah, especially when you know she's not constant. Yeah, you know when when you have something for her to work against, mm-hmm. I think she works really well. Yeah, have, and having her be the one who has to, you know, figure out how they're going to get to Themyscira. The cat's out of the bag now. If, you know, everyone knows what the what the uh, mission statement is for these girls, of these women. They need to get to Themyscira to save um, Black Canary's sister, Sin. And Harley Quinn has a way in. Um, and I really like the fact that, you know, Black Canary does not trust her, does not want to go with her plan. But if you want me here, Harley says, if you want me here, you have to trust me. I'm in or I'm out. And Kelly Thompson does something so smart and she does it so well. I feel like every scene and if not every scene, every other scene, but there's so many opportunities and uh, times 
where we see characters have moments of tension between each other. There's the tension between um, Harley and Black Canary. Can, can Harley be relied upon? Does Black Canary trust her? There's the tension between... Um, uh, what's the woman's name who... Uh, uh, Zana, right? Uh, uh, Zealot. So, Zealot, yeah. Yeah, Zealot. The tension between her and and uh, Black Canary, not wanting to do this. She doesn't kill Amazon. Yeah. She doesn't think this is the right thing to do. She walks out of the meeting. Yep. You know, and then there are potential ulterior motives. Is everybody here for the right reasons? Does everybody want the same things? There's just so much going on between the characters. And I hate to do this, but I'm going to do it. I'm sorry. I compare this to Avengers, and I think about the lack of that in that book. The lack of character dynamic, which is dripping on every page of this. Yeah, because like we've been in two issues, but I feel like I know more about what's going on, and I feel like we've already had more progression yeah. than in five issues of Avengers. 100%. I don't even think that that... I don't even think an argument can be made to the contrary. I really don't. I bet one of these assholes will try it. <laughs> I dare them. Um, <laughs> yeah, there's Your so much... Good... figures. <laughs> right. <laughs> That'll hold up. Um, there's just so much good stuff here. Constantine makes a, a bit appearance, and uh, even even he's used well, and there's... Yeah. Tension between him and uh, you know this guy who who Constantine needs to call a favor for that then leads to a huge fight, which Kelly Thompson you know does something smart again. She has Constantine go away to leave her to do the fighting, yeah. so it's like she's the focus, not him. You know the team's the focus, so they come in later. But it's like yeah, you go do the side mission. I'm I'm gonna fight. And it's giving us glimpses into the identity of these women and, and why they're here and how important this is. This is great yeah. comics. Yeah, absolutely. My my complaint is sort of like, why did everybody show up in this super magic land? Yeah, they all had they all had uh mostly contrived, I guess, reasoning for being there. Um, Zealot's uh, thing that she needed to get was there, or Bardas, one of their one of those two, had that excuse. Um, there was some weapon that they needed to find that was that was there. Yeah. Um, and it's it's explained well enough. Yeah. But it's yeah, it's a bit like, why did this need to happen? <laughs> so they could punch some stuff. Yeah. Really, and they could work together. Yeah. yeah. Um. That that was my only sort of major com- complaint. Like, and it's you know it's barely barely worth mentioning, but also it's, it's it, meh. Dude, you want to know what's worth mentioning is the fact that this issue features Big Barda in in a bathing suit. Big Barda, I I hope. Look, we're going to New York Comic Con next week. I hope I see a big Barda at New York Comic Con. 
you should take pictures with all the big bardas you see. I am taking pictures with all the Jean Greys I see, but I will also take pictures with all the big bardas I see. I will do it. Nice. nice. I will do it. Um, big Barda's the standout character of this book to me. Like, yes. bikini aside, she's just so funny. I love her relationship with Batgirl. Yeah. And she she says uh, there's a point at which uh, Harley is speaking and Barda says, I agree with the clown and points at, yep. at Harley. Yeah. She's like that brute, the brute character where she's like, she doesn't really know what the hell's going on. She doesn't care what Harley's name is. She's a clown. She's, you yep. know, and, and, and she doesn't care that that might be offensive. <laughs> She's yeah, she keeps old. calling Batgirl small, small bat. Yeah. <laughs> you will enjoy this small bat. I love it. I love it. It's just so good. And and honestly, Kelly Thompson is she's she's probably one of my favorite writers in comics right now. She's killing it, man. I can't believe I've slept on the Kelly Thompson train. Yeah, man. And then the other thing with Kelly Thompson, and of course, like I said, Leonardo Romero put everything he had into this issue, but. Every book that I read that Kelly Thompson does, whether it's because of her or the artist, there are always just such cool pages in every issue. Yeah. Like, it's like she tries, and, and she talked about this on the episode that, that we had her on. Um, yeah. She tries to inject that into the scripts. It's important to her. Whether it's the <laughs> DeLuca effect or it's... You know, just just cool action sequences and pages that are that are unique. Like, look at this. Like to me, this was a pretty cool page where uh, we're seeing you know some of the the action kick off um, where Black Canary is just beating the crap out of these golems, yeah. um, and then this big double page splash, which was awesome. Killer. Yeah, like this is a this is a visual feast, and it's so fun when the art and the story work together to do something really awesome. And then that's what we're getting here. I I really love the sort of, um, I love it when these characters break out of the panel yeah. into the gutter space. I think it's such a cool tool. I don't know if I've seen it used like this since Gillen and McKelvey in Young Avengers, hmm. you know, and, and making the gutter space, its own environment. Yeah. You know, because even though these moments are happening in the in the panels, the panels themselves are a world inside the gutter space. Yes. And that's really interesting and cool. Yeah. There there's just there's a lot to praise here. This was the book that was in contention for pick of the week for me. Um and I think I do I think this is my pick of the week. It's that damn good. It yeah. really is. Yeah. We got to have Kelly Thompson back on the show. We need to praise her more. Let's call her. <laughs> yeah, literally, maybe before the year's out, we can get her back on. Um, she needs to hear how good she's doing. Uh, I'm sure she knows she's the one making the books, but uh, can't hurt to can't hurt to hear it from us. Um, CW Gordon says, damn, I want to see new characters on the team in the future, but I also really don't want to lose any of these ladies. Can we have a team of 100, right? Everyone was so angry about this team, but yeah. yet this book is phenomenal. This is probably the best superhero book on the stands or best team book, team superhero team up book on the stands. Yeah. 
somebody yeah somebody earlier said um this is the premier book uh and titans is not <laughs> yeah if we're judging them off quality yeah absolutely <laughs> i'm trying to find that comment uh take a deep breath sean bring down the blood pressure gene is going to be jealous gene versus barda for the sh- for the hand of sean listen i have said many times Jean Grey, I don't see her that way. That's not what it's about for me. Big Barda, on the other hand, I mean, listen, Saturnine, Big Barda, catch my drift, you know? <laughs> All O's. Barda solos. Absolutely. So- solo Sean. <laughs> yes, absolutely. No, no one, no one will ever eclipse Jean, you know? It's like Cyclops. Like, yes, yeah, Cyclops loves well, Jean. She's the love of his life. I but, mean, Barda uh, will. Emma was, Emma was there, man. So, uh, yeah, you were a pull as well on this one, right, Kale? Oh, easy. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, we've mentioned it a few times, um, but uh, New York Comic Con is on the horizon. And as we said, we will be doing this show live on youtube.com slash the comics pals next Wednesday instead of Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern in preparation for the event. Now, unfortunately, Kale won't be there. He doesn't live in the U.S. anymore, but he used to. And he's been to his fair share of cons himself. So I thought uh, here as we close out, we could talk a little bit about like, you know, going to events this big of this magnitude and. You know, what we like about them and, uh, you know, maybe share some stories of our past. I uh, I haven't been to an event that big very much on purpose. <laughs> I do not like massive events like that. You did. You you didn't. You never did at New York Comic Con with us. No. Holy shit. That's right. No, you only I think had, you did think Philly I, with us. Yep. I started at the other place. I think after New York Comic Con. Yes, you did. And then we and then we went to Philly, and that whole thing fell apart. And then we went back to Philly, and that was the one. Uh, 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 that was the one I did. And then I've only the only other one I've done is uh, Thought Bubble. Ah, uh, okay, okay. Well, for those of you who don't know, um, New York Comic Con is the biggest. Uh, the biggest, uh, you know, geek convention of the year or whatever. It's bigger than uh, San Diego now. So, is that right? Yeah, it is. Whoa, then I will hate it. I think there's a, there's a, uh, I think San Diego can, can like literally fit less people. And that's why that's the case. Like they're uh. not allowed to have as many people in the building. Um, I think that's what I read. But uh, either way, New York is the biggest one. Um, and it's a lot of fun. It really is. Like, it's multiple floors. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the top floor, well, the where the floor you walk in on, it's got like you walk in, and that's the show floor. That's where yeah. all the like really cool stuff is going to be from a multimedia standpoint, especially if you like like movies or Dragon Ball Z or things like that. Like all that stuff's there, um, mm-hmm. and it's just it, it's like mind blowing when you walk in like whoa there are this many people alive like it's just like it's so many people yeah um 
it can be overwhelming. Like anecdotally, uh, I had a an extra ticket that I sold to a friend of mine last year, and he doesn't deal well with crowds, and he had to leave after a few hours. He was like, "Yo, it was fun, but I it's just too many people for me." Yeah, I, I, I see you guys going to you know uh, wrestling shows and concerts and stuff. And I'm like, listen, that's not for me. Yeah, I, uh, you know, the most, the most I think I'm comfortable doing these days, maybe a baseball game. Mm. Uh, that's probably the most packed I've been. We went to the one in London, um, and it was, you know, it's a major league game. I think there were fifty-five thousand people, something like that. Um, but it, you know, the end of it, they were hurting everyone out, you know shoulder to shoulder and i just like i can't i can't do that anymore i'm just not yeah yeah it's 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 a lot i i happen to be i happen to like being in large crowds of people um but a a lot of people don't uh it's you know it's overwhelming uh top lane says it would be so cool if you get a stand some year and do a live show from there buddy that is absolutely a goal your mouth to God's ears. Yeah, we are working on we are working on getting to that place. Look, every year, so many of you found us this year. Yeah, and I I really love that. It's so cool that you guys you know are here with us and have joined us. Um, every single year, things have gotten bigger and better for us, and that's one of the th- that's one of those thresholds we want to cross, where mm-hmm. it's like, boy, we we made it. You know, a lot of people have not done that. Don't do that. Um. But that's 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 definitely for down the road. Uh, and then CW Gordon says they have a virtual ticket for NYCC, right? Well, yes, they do, and you could buy it for twenty eight bucks. You can also follow our coverage of the event itself, um, which we will be doing a lot of. I'm going to be doing a blog on our Patreon page. Um, I'm probably going to make it so everybody can read it. Oh yeah, um, yeah. That's most likely what I'm going to do. I think it's going to be free to read. Um, nice. That way, everybody can just head on over to our patreon.com slash the comic spells page and read my uh, overview of the day, you know, every day of the event. So mm-hmm. between that, between the interviews that we're going to be able to get up that night or the next day, um, and then our social media coverage, we're, we're going to try to give you guys a full picture. We're also going to do a show. Um, not from the event, unfortunately, but like that weekend, most likely Saturday night, we'll be doing a show and we're going to talk about everything that we experienced. Um, New York Comic Con is a blast. Like the, the creators you get to interact with. I mean, my goodness. And this year seemed like we've gotten bits and pieces and hints and, uh, little cool things in our, uh, email that like if if we had told 2016 sean and kale what uh what we got in our inbox they would be blown away what we got in our inbox is so amazing so cool so exciting and also like so precious i wouldn't even dream of even like alluding to what it is i know um, <laughs> it's 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 insane. It's super cool. I'm glad to know it now, 
And I'm glad that we're going to be potentially a very small part of, you know, being able to bring that to uh, bring that to you guys. So that's going to be a lot of fun. Sorry for being cryptic. It'll be very clear and apparent once the announcement is made. Um, go ahead. Are uh, uh, are you what are you going to do any panels? Are there any panels or anything you're crazy excited about? So I uh, I find that like when we do New York Comic Con the way we do it, like you know yeah. making the rounds doing interviews, it's very difficult to make panels. Mm-hmm. Um, I always like to try to go to like the Marvel Next Big Thing panel. Or if there's a big X-Men panel, I try to hit that. Uh, but most of the time, if we're in a panel, it's because we are there to support a creator who asked us to go or who we really like and just want to be there for. Like we did it for Jeremy Holt uh, yeah. last year who we had on the show um, who just had a baby. So congratulations, to Jeremy. Um, Have you seen that kid's name? No. Winter Empress. <laughs> Definitely Whoa. the child of a comic book creator. <laughs> right? Absolutely. Wow. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Uh, as far as panels, like, that's typically how it shakes out for me. But if hey, if it happens, I'm down. Like, I'd love to see a good Marvel panel. Mm. Uh, one time. This is, like, one of the coolest things that I ever saw at New York Comic Con. That I never have shared this story on the show before it's not much of a story it's not that cool but um i somehow messed my way i don't i genuinely don't remember how i got into this i I thought it was a ticketed event uh, but i didn't i know i didn't have a ticket i got in somehow some way they were having a launch party for the video game dc universe online I don't know. Oh. Yeah, I don't know how many of you remember that. It's still a game that's out. Yeah. Um, it's a like MMO DC game, and the launch party featured some names you'll be very familiar with. At the launch party, signing posters and chit chatting were Jeff Johns and Jim yeah, Lee. Of course, because Jeff Jim Johns Lee absolutely makes sense. Yeah, Jeff Johns had written story for the game, and Jim Lee had done uh, art for the game. And of course, they were the creative team on the uh, the Justice League relaunch. So yeah. this was New Fifty Two ish time. So um, I was awestruck. At that time, I had conversed with Bendis. You know, like mm. I had met people, but Johns and Lee. I spoke to them. They signed my poster. I lost my shit. Have you talked about that with Jeff? No, and I probably never will. Not yet. Oh, okay. Yeah, like I don't. I would feel. I would feel awkward bringing that up. Like he doesn't yeah. know or remember that. No. Yeah, I'm sure he doesn't. But um, maybe one day. You know, depends on how friendly we get, how chummy. Uh, he will be at New York Comic Con, so you know, who knows? That might be the opportunity. And what's funny is that's like 12 years later. Yeah. 12 or 13 years later. Yeah, the MMO game. Yes, um, that was very. I fun. uh, I had a similar experience with um, Kelly Sue DeConnick, mm-hmm. uh, because she came to Thought Bubble in 2013 with Matt Fraction, mm-hmm. at you know at the height of Hawkeye, um, and uh, so I had uh, 
that that I think was my first. Yeah, that was definitely my first convention, and I you know hadn't met anybody I you know liked or idolized or anything. So I you know happened to get in the very back of Kelly Sue's um, line, and I was the last person that you know they uh, they capped it at, and I think it was like the end of the day or something. And I, uh, I just like gushed and told her about you know my uh, a friend's mom who Captain Marvel reminded me of, and I really wanted to you know gift her this thing with Kelly Sue's signature. You know that would be a really big deal, and I really tried to get the whole life story out and just do the whole thing. And I was really, and she was like, uh huh, <laughs> uh, yeah. That's all she gave you. I mean, she signed it. You know, she was really cool about it. <laughs> But, you know, it was very much like I overshared and, you know, it was too enthusiastic about it, you know? Dude, man, like everyone's probably had that experience of like going up to a creator and kind of sticking your foot in your mouth a little bit. And that sucks. But it's another thing to do that when you are the interviewer. Or you are a oh, party yeah. to, like, you're a part of a group that's interviewing. Um, I have had, I don't even want to share them. I have had a couple of really, like, embarrassing moments in that vein. Because um, back in the day, like, when I first started doing this, you know, I didn't have, I'm not trained, you know. Like, we weren't yeah. trained to do interviews. Like, we had training um, you know, at the place yeah. we used to work at, but that was BS. That wasn't real. Um, and uh, so it was mostly just learning on the fly yeah. and my enjoyment of genuinely like hearing what people have to say. But but I didn't necessarily know how to approach creators and speak to them in a way that was going to be respectful. So or not 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 that I was disrespectful, just put my foot in my mouth. Um, yeah. And so uh, thankfully that doesn't happen anymore. But uh, yeah, the good old days if you will. Uh, chat. How many of you have been to, New to not New York Comic Con, but two conventions of that ilk? Like, have you been to your local con or any major con like that? Share your stories with us before we get out of here. I want to hear from you. Casey's already got one. He says, uh, it's Roboters 100 in the chat. I gushed all over Claremont and was most likely rambling at his booth, but got a few of my books signed and got to meet one of my favorite creators. Love that. That's awesome. I've seen Chris Claremont at a lot of cons, and uh, he seems pretty, you know, pretty welcoming of fans. We, um, I th this had to have been Philly when we went, um, the second time. Mm -hmm. Um, Phil and I went to speak to, I think it was Neil Adams. Okay. He was there, and... You know, we, we kind of started chatting to him to see if we could get, you know, the interview or whatever. So we asked him if he'd do the interview, and he was like, well, are you going to pay me? And we are like, well, no, I'm sorry. He's like, no. <laughs> okay, thanks for your time. See you later. <laughs> wow. All right. Yeah. Like, I guess at this point, maybe Neil Adams doesn't need the exposure of an interview. Not that Suppose, we could have yeah. offered much exposure at the time anyways, but damn. You know, geez. 
Yeah. Thankfully, we really haven't had like too many bad interactions uh, with creators. There is one creator who I promise to never name that I had two bad rea- uh, two bad interactions with. Um, and I think they have some kind of uh, oh right yeah 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 I think they have some kind of dislike for me that might not be related to who I am. Right. Um, but I will not speak on that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> we can, I'll leave that alone. I wouldn't even hint at that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Hound says, uh, I was at Emerald city back in the eighties, met a guy named Todd McFarlane. Oh, wonder what happened to him. Pre-invasion. Wow. Justin met Jim Lee and Stanley at Dallas comic con. Whoa. Wow. The two, the two most famous Lee's in all of comics. History? I mean, look, I wasn't that was just I just said some shit, man. I didn't I didn't vet it. If you know better. I no, I'm I'm asking. I would Probably, imagine right? I mean, Jesus like, Christ, Stan and Jim well, Lee. Robert E. Lee. Oh. Uh, Stan Lee's. Well who's Robert, Robert E. Lee, Lee anyway? Well, he's the Confederate general in the I said in all of comics. Oh well, I know. I'm 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 <laughs> I'm asking to extend it. Oh, oh, I see. Oh, well, then Bruce Lee. Of course, Bruce. Yeah. <laughs> Bruce and Chun Lee. No? All right. I don't think so. <laughs> you don't know Chun Lee? I know Chun Lee. <laughs> yeah, man. Come on. Um. Yeah, so those are our thoughts. Kale, did you have something else to say right there? No. Oh, okay. Those are our thoughts. Those are our takes on uh, comic book conventions. Uh, we'll probably talk a little bit more about New York Comic Con uh, this Saturday on the show, on the main show, which you can tune into live Saturday uh, at 10.15 a.m. Eastern. Uh, we'll probably talk about it a little bit more, you know, give you guys the refresher on what our plans are for that week. Uh, thank you so much for joining us here, though. Really appreciate you guys sticking with us. Uh, we had a great time talking about this week's books. Hopefully you enjoyed our conversation. If you did, the best way to support us is patreon.com slash the comics pals. Thank you to everybody who chooses to join us over there. But support extends beyond that because we appreciate everybody that leaves us a like on these videos. Or if you listen to us on audio, make sure you're leaving us a comment. You're leaving us a, a, whatever the equivalent is of a like there. We appreciate everybody who does that. Thank you to everybody who chatted with us this week. We appreciate that. You guys are great. Vote in the listener pick poll every single Friday. Until Wednesday, you can cast your vote. Birds of Prey number two won this week. We appreciate those of you who choose to vote as well. Until next time. We're the Comics Pal saying thank you, we love you, take care guys.